Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. It's not, it's not essentially so much the actual 40 time as it is the 10-yard split. And part of it is, is, look, we're in an era with some ridiculously talented defensive players. Guys like J.J. Watt with the amazing size, athletic ability, and quickness that they have. These guys are going to blow up a running play in three quarters of a second. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. I was trying to get some dramatic behind my voice. There we go. Um, welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. With me, as always, is Nick Hale to the Redskins wagon. What's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. Uh, feeling pretty lucky. Uh, the majority of my teams came away, for the most part, unscathed by the war of attrition that was this last weekend in the NFL, as far as injuries are concerned. How did your teams fare? Um, doing pretty good. I only I only lost uh, Woodheads in one in one league, so. Th- Besides that, oh, I guess I lost to Amir Abdullah and the Scott Fishbowl, but hey, I haven't had a Gronk for two weeks, so <laughs> my fate is slowly being sealed way early in that uh, in that contest. Uh, speaking of the Scott Fishbowl, I want to give props to our good good friend of the show and DFW writer Mike Krafik, who is, I believe, in the top five right now of Scott Fishbowl after two weeks in terms of, uh, I think, wins and points scored. So way to go, Mike. Rep us well. Again, last year... Uh, our own Jeff Mettlestead finished third overall. So hopefully we can get another DFW guy to finish finish high on that because it's where we're experts and fans, smart fans, try to get, make make a make the name for themselves. So we uh, we try to do that. So gradu- congratulations, Mike, and keep up the good work. Uh, yeah, I saw somebody in DFW 36 just put Woodhead and Abdullah on the IR. That's that's rough, man. That's two guys that were probably starting to uh, both weeks for him and that's uh yeah that's that's never good i mean in a league that that deep you're lucky to have have two guys that you can depend on every week as those two players were and yeah like i said i didn't get too hurt by it where i was hurt by it i was already in trouble anyway so um some maybe it's just a few thoughts here in week two before we get going got a great show for you today we have a Pretty interesting dilemma as we pitch uh, Carlos Hyde versus Melvin Gordon, obviously with the Woodhead injury. Um, hint, hint, Nick, that situation becomes a little more intriguing. Uh, some sitter starts for you. We're going to do a four against some Brock Osweiler, some dynasty trade analysis, and, of course, Mr. Chuck Podesky will be stopping by DFW's old odd man himself as we do some ATS picks. I'm kind of getting a backlog of trades, Nick. I hate when all these trades happen on Wednesday, and we already have the show kind of set in stone. So um, maybe I'll throw a few at you if we uh, if we have time, but we'll see where we're at. Uh, after the Thursday loss, there is a new OC in Buffalo. 
interesting move there. Um, we'll we'll see how that goes as they talk about uh, they are going to potentially throwing the football more. So that's probably good news for Sammy Watkins, Charles Clay, and Robert Woods owners. Uh, Arian Foster hurt again. Is that right? Weird. Okay, let's look at like uh, two weeks. Um, I mean, you really don't probably want me to sit here and go through all the injuries because you if you if you have these players you already know them but you know the ones that came down today adrian peterson out for several months uh dante moncrief broken bone in the shoulder four to six weeks uh amir abdullah put an ir he's done for eight weeks uh yeah just a just a rough week all around especially for running backs but a lot of marquee players too gone. So I guess um, there's a what, some busy waiver wires, Nick. What did you have? What were your thoughts here on week two? Well, you know, overall, I just think we may have entered a new era in fantasy football where you know the non-pass catching running backs are borderline useless in PPR leagues, or at least they're going to be giant gambles and like touchdown dependent to have in your starting lineup. Uh, here's some totals from last week: Eddie Lacy, 12 carries, 50 yards. AP, 12 carries, 19 yards. Todd Gurley, 19 carries, 51 yards. Rashad Jennings, 13 carries, 27 yards. Ezekiel Elliott, 21 carries, 83 yards. Lamar Miller, 25 carries, 83 yards. Brian Matthews, 9 carries, 32 yards. And Jeremy Langford, 11 carries, 28 yards. I would guess that league-wide yards per carry is way down, and none of those guys that I mentioned had over two catches. So if you're playing one of them and they don't score a touchdown for you, it's likely going to be a down week. And, yes, there are a handful of 100-yard runners every week, but it's hard to determine who they're going to be. I'm guessing Isaiah Crowell won't have many Sundays where he's leading uh, the leading rusher. Uh, the Bengals are a prime example, a microcosm of the league right now. Jeremy Hill got more than twice as many carries as Giovanni Bernard, but only got 22 yards on the ground and three catches for 37 yards in the passing game, while Bernard catches nine balls for 100 yards. Now, I'm not saying we're there yet. It's only been two games, but it wouldn't surprise me if by mid-October, owners were using average receivers like Mohamed Sanu or Chris Hogan in their flex over higher-ranked running backs like Hill or Lacey. What do you think, Josh? Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I generally roll out a uh, a wide receiver in my flex just because of reception opportunity and uh, targets. Unless, you know, you got lucky to have guys like Woodhead when he was healthy and, and Sims. I mean, that's I don't really like to gamble with that with that spot. Um, uh, and to further your point, I would say I know at least yeah, it, it lasts so, so far for two weeks. Excuse me, the Raiders have been using all three of the running backs too. Obviously, Latavius Murray and their two rookies in um, Jalen, excuse me, Jalen Rashard and Dwayne, not Dwayne. DeAndre Washington, excuse me. Um, and I believe all of them, well, obviously, Richard's averaging 11 yards per carry after that 75-yard plunge. Uh, but all, all three of them are at least averaging over five yards per carry. So maybe where the RB, you know, the running back by committee situation does not always look grand from a fantasy piece. Excuse me, from a fantasy perspective, it's maybe better for efficiency within – touches does that make sense <laughs> does that make any sense there at all um you're basically saying that it's uh better for the team in general to have a stable of running backs keep them all fresh but it hurts fantasy players is that where you're uh, where you're getting at well yeah i mean maybe it hurts fantasy players but it maybe just opens their opportunity up to you know better potentially better yards per carry 
and obviously that could lead to big, to, to big plays there too because they're bringing in a fresh back against a, a soft defense. So it's not, yeah, I mean, obviously it's not a not a, a true science. Fantasy football isn't, and, you know, Bill Belichick is, reminds us that all the time with his running backs. But, uh, yeah, you make some very valid points, though, with uh, – Unless you, unless unless they have that touchdown upside, I mean that's the weird thing. You know, Jeremy Hill had this huge drawback year after his awesome rookie year, but he still was tied for the leading touchdowns. Yeah. So what uh, what running backs are you claiming on the waiver wire this week, Nick? Is it Fozzie Whitaker time? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say who's going to get the majority of the carries there between Fozzie Whitaker and Cameron Artis Payne. Remember, Artis Payne was pretty much inactive a lot of last season until uh, Jonathan Stewart got hurt. Once Stewart got hurt, he uh, was activated and played pretty well last season. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there in Carolina. In Miami, uh, running backs Damian Williams and uh, Kenyon Drake could probably see some more work while Foster heals. And J.H.I. just doesn't seem like he's like he's going to be a, a factor back anytime soon there. Uh, you know, I figured Cody Kessler would see the field this year, but I really did not foresee him starting by week three. Uh, you look at uh, Dexter McCluster in San Diego, could possibly end up filling that Danny Woodhead role um, in DPR leagues. That would provide some nice upside. Uh, at receiver, Adam Humphreys seems to be carving out a nice role in the slot Tampa Bay. And as far as IDP guys, uh, the defensive uh, lineman Timmy Jernigan is playing pretty well in year three for Baltimore. He'd probably be worth an ad. Uh, yeah, I actually picked up Jernigan myself last week. Um, yeah, there's, I'm certainly, like I said, some active waiver wires. You know, Fozzie Whitaker we talked about, Asiata is a guy out there. Minnesota also just brought in Ronnie Hillman today. You know, who knows when he's going to see the light of day. Um, geez, I mean, you know you know it's bad when we're talking about Dexter McCluster and Cody Kessler and prior to week three of the NFL season. Uh but you, I mean, you do have a valid point. We'll see um, how quickly it gets it gets going there. But I know Kessler does have a, a history with some of the coaching. Not, excuse me, McCluster does have history with some of the coaching staff there in San Diego. So maybe maybe they'll have a plan for him. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting when I saw the signing for that on NFL Network last night. It said Dexter McCluster kick returners slash running back. So I thought that was weird that they said that first. I don't I don't know if that was planned or that's just how he's listed but uh yeah it's any any thoughts on like any one of these guys that we've talked about Nick that you that you would maybe consider spending the most money on I don't know. I think in dynasty formats, I, I think Cameron Artis Payne just because he's got youth on his side compared to a lot of these other guys. But um, I, I have a hard time breaking the bank to sign any of these guys at this point. Yeah, and it's probably a shallow league if Artis Payne is available. Uh, Fozzie Whitaker might be available, but uh, we'll see. I, 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 I geez, you just don't know what's going to come of that, but. Uh, yeah, it's not looking not looking good there all all throughout. You know, hopefully you can continue to hopefully you built built depth through your draft and through your rookie drafts, and you can lean on that while these big boys are hurt. Um, it is time for our dynasty dilemma. Uh, got a new clip for that. Um, this is where we this is something we do almost every week. We pit two uh, players against each other and kind of just uh, talk. 
talk about them uh, in dynasty terms, in terms of uh, what, what we think is going to happen with their careers. Uh, so this week we did Carlos Hyde versus Melvin Gordon. So uh, Nick had the chance to go first. So let's uh, play the clip, and Nick will go ahead. But we've learned by the dust of them all, Barter Town's learned. Now when men get to fighting, it happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Well, I'll give it to Melvin Gordon. After zero touchdowns his rookie year, he seems to have figured it out after two weeks this season. But now that he's beginning to establish himself as a runner, teams will begin to load the box. And with Philip Rivers as top two pass catchers, Danny Woodhead and Keenan Allen both done for the year, San Diego doesn't have the receiving weapons to prevent defenses from focusing on Gordon. And yes, Gordon did have over 100 yards last week, but it took him 24 carries to get to 102 yards. And that was against a Jacksonville defense that seemingly every week allows uh, quarterback Blake Bortles to put up big-time garbage points while playing from behind. Now, remember, too, that Danny Wood had missed most of last year, and that didn't help Gordon be any more productive. So I don't see the injury helping him in, in, any, uh, in any shape. Uh, now, many people assume because Chip Kelly runs an up-tempo offense that it's pass-heavy, uh, a la Steve Spurrier's funny gun. But that's not the case. Chip Kelly spreads you out to gash you on the ground, and with the quick-to-the-line philosophy, that leads to more snaps and more opportunities. Um, yes, the quarterback situation in San Francisco isn't the best, but you can say that about 10 to 15 teams in the league right now. Uh, now, this week, San Fran plays at Seattle. So if or when Hyde struggles this week, he could be a great buy-low candidate, while uh, Gordon's mashup at Indianapolis could send his stock through the roof. But at the end of the year, I think that these guys are going to be pretty much neck-and-neck stat-wise. So if I own Gordon, I would be looking over rosters in my league and trying to unload him while he's hot. I just don't trust him over the long haul yet. Josh? Ooh, he makes some very solid points there. So we know Nick, Nick Melvin Gordon did score a touchdown as a rookie, but he already has. But he scored two week one this year. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure Nick was going to bang home the Danny Woodhead until uh, until obviously the the ACL happened. Much uh, hopefully a quick recovery there from Mr. Woodhead. I don't know if he's got another year left of it or not, but we'll see. Um, you know, Gordon is a man who who they just want running the ball. Uh, this year, next year, and so on. Um, he's he's a guy that I think is going to get a chance at 250 plus touches pending they can fix this offensive line. I just like I like him to see him develop into a 1200 to 15 yard hundred all purpose producer. We probably won't he probably won't ever develop into a top five running back in the league, but San Diego certainly does doesn't have a lot of youth behind him. Backups are the undrafted Kenneth undrafted rookie Kenneth Farrow. Andre Williams, uh, two guys that are obviously not starters in the NFL, in my mind. Dexter McLesser was also brought in recently in this, to this group. So, but none of them could really fill in and be, you know, they, sure they could fill in, but none of them can be an every week starter for your fantasy team or for NFL purposes. Carlos Hyde has Mike Davis, Sean Drow, and Kelvin Taylor behind him. Taylor is on the practice squad, but he's still part of this organization. And we know for a fact that Chip Kelly likes to use a, a whole bunch of running backs and sometimes maybe even ride the hot hand approach. Just wait until Hyde has a bad game or falls out of favor. That, that could really do damage to his touches at any point during this season. 
We also know that Chip Kelly is no stranger to shipping a player out if he gets in his doghouse. So if he does something that Kelly doesn't like, we could see him ship to Buffalo for maybe a broken linebacker, right? Um, anything. Another thing to keep in mind with Chip Kelly is that he prefers smaller scat backs. Really, the only power back to be successful with Kelly is LeGarrette Blunt, and he is just a north-south, get you one or two yards type of player. That's that's how Kelly uses his power backs. So look for Kelly to maybe add a different, more dynamic back, especially given the juicy 2017 class next next offseason. Right now, Gordon has a unique chance in these next couple of games, as he's the healthiest, most experienced back in this Chargers system. We could really find out what Gordon is made of this month. Um, but I, I got to agree before I totally throw myself under the bus here. I got to agree. Nick has a very good point on, on, on trading high on Gordon. I've seen people net uh, net uh, Todd Gurley in a package with Gordon. So uh, very good point. Any rebuttal there, Nick, or did I do it for you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you had a lot of good points there. Uh, the one thing I'll add is that uh, Carlos Hyde is bigger than uh, Melvin Gordon, so if it comes down to them uh, being used primarily as a goal line back, Carlos Hyde would uh, would definitely have the advantage there if it comes down to that. You never know how running back futures will shape up. Yeah, not to take anything away from Gordon, but given the their depth chart right now, I wouldn't be surprised if they used uh, Andre Williams for one yard one yard plunges too, be just because they need to keep Gordon healthy, considering what they've lost over these first couple of weeks. Definitely. Uh, moving forward, uh, back to back, we got uh, four or against. Uh, we're going to take a look at Brock Osweiler today. This is a, a new thing we've been playing with here for about two months now. Is we just take a look at a player. We each, we each. It's kind of like a dynasty dilemma, but we each basically just take five points and. Uh, Take one side of the player. So Nick had the chance to choose, but he chose against. So I will go first on four against Brock Osweiler. One second. It's time for four or against. Okay, so Mr. Osweiler, we all we all know the history uh, and and why he is where he is. But uh, I just basically want to start this with two words: DeAndre Hopkins. How can you bet against a quarterback with a marquee receiver like Hopkins, who has proven to be awesome with crappy quarterbacks? Now he has a guy that can actually throw the ball down the field. Nick, what do you think? Well, the first thing when I think about Brock Osweiler that pops into my head is the fact that he couldn't hold off a 39-year-old Peyton Manning. You know, I'm not quite 39 yet, and I'm in decent shape, but I couldn't even (laughs) imagine playing a full game of flag football, let alone NFL football. And the fact that Osweiler couldn't keep the job that basically the Broncos handed to him, gift wrapped, couldn't keep that away from, like I said, a 39-year-old Peyton Manning, that's a huge red flag to me. Um. No way he didn't learn something, though, from Peyton Manning, right? I mean, and I think he probably lost his job because it's Peyton Manning. Yeah, but, and you know, I look at the situation now, and uh, 
what he did against Kansas City last week. Both Houston receivers were over 100 yards. That sounds pretty good, but it's a little bit misleading. Uh, Brock Osweiler was under 270 yards in that game. That's still better than the 231 yards that he put up in week one, but he's still got the three touchdown to three interception ratio. It's uh, just not great numbers yet. Well, I think the fact that he sat behind somebody and waited for his chance, regardless if he's on a new team or not, means that he totally has appreciation for where he's at right now. I know he's getting big money, and that probably could go to his head, but as for right now, I like his chances, and I think he's been pretty solid so far. And you you brought up the fact that he's got the all-world receiver Hopkins there. But uh, it is kind of a thin wide receiver group, even though it's talented. If Hopkins were to get hurt, I think Osweiler would be a a 220-yard-a-week quarterback. Uh, There's a lot of other middle-of-the-road quarterbacks that aren't quite as dependent on just one guy. So that that scares me a little bit. Fair enough. Uh, In addition to the other weapons he has on offense, he also plays on a team with a very good defense. That means his chances downfield will be calculated and not overdone because he doesn't really have to do too much. So when short quarterbacks come out of college, they get hammered on quite a bit for not having a good enough size. But Osweiler's on the opposite end of the spectrum at six foot eight. Now, we've seen five foot ten ish quarterbacks have success. Doug Flutie, Russell Wilson, also Drew Brees is a little bit under six feet. But when have we seen someone as tall as Osweiler be successful? You know, a large frame does bring with it its own problems. Remember, if he, if he doesn't have to – Remember, he doesn't have to be the number one quarterback in fantasy to lead your team to a championship. If you believe taking a quarterback, if you don't believe taking a quarterback is high, that or that's not the way to go, you probably took a flyer on a guy like Osweiler. Certainly got a better value with your higher picks because you waited. That's definitely true. There is definitely an argument to be made for getting good value later in drafts with Osweiler. Um, but, you know, I look at his contract, and big money equals a lot of pressure. Some guys just can't handle it. And if he fails, Peyton Manning's not sitting there to bail the team out. Uh, $72 million says he's the guy for the next couple seasons, no matter what. And with the talent he has surrounding him on both sides of the ball, uh, you know, any sort of losing streak is going to be placed squarely on his shoulders. How is he going to respond to that? We don't know yet. Okay, well, that that makes pretty good sense. I think we all all made some pretty valid points there. Uh, he's kind of been a player of contention with me and Nick. We agree on a lot of people, but we uh, we probably disagree there <laughs> a little bit on the former Bronco quarterback, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of him. I made no secret about that. And how are you feeling so far after the first couple of games? Um, about the same. I mean, I, I never said he's horrible. I don't think he's Jamarcus Russell, mm. Heath Ruler, you know, type of bad. But I, I just don't <laughs> see him being <laughs> being one of the top ten elite fantasy quarterbacks. I I would like to tell people that's probably the first mention of Heath Ruler on this podcast, but I probably know better <laughs> that that's probably not the truth. Uh, it's probably like the third or fourth. But anyway, we. We have we know some Redskins fans, and Nick is a Redskins fan, so it it comes up. Um, sorry, Tennessee ball fans. Uh, yeah. Oh wow, Heath Schuler. Sitter start time. Speaking of Mister Osweiler, Nick, what do you think about Osweiler 
going to New England tomorrow night on Thursday or Ryan Tannehill versus Cleveland? Well, I'm actually going to go with Brock Osweiler in this one. I think he's got a better chance of playing from behind because, let's face it, New England, even with Julian Edelman at quarterback, would have a better chance of blowing somebody out than Cleveland with Cody Kessler. Uh, plus the, uh, the fact that he at least has the threat of a running game to take the pressure off of him a little bit. I don't love either of them, but if I've got to start one, it's got to be Osweiler. Really? But it's Cleveland. Okay. Interesting. You know, I know it's in New England. But if Houston goes there and gets blown out by, like, 14 or 20 points, I mean, do we just really have to settle on the fact that Bill Belichick has sold his soul to the devil? I mean, that would be crazy. A third-string quarterback, a rookie who's probably seen 30, 40 snaps in the preseason. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Should be a good game. Which, which typically last year we didn't have very good games on Thursday night. So, um, interesting one here, and I I think I could make a pretty good argument for both of these guys. But what do you think about Eddie Lacy at Detroit, or Charles Sims, who's now the starter, versus the Rams? Well, you're right. I think they're both decent plays. Uh, you know, Detroit struggled last week against Tennessee running backs, but uh, the Titans play a completely different style than Green Bay does. Uh, now, Doug Barton being injured, I think this could be Charles Sims' coming out party. Uh, teams with young quarterbacks like Tampa Bay, they sometimes are a little bit inconsistent up one week, down the next. So I look for Tampa Bay to rebound this week. Uh, I think it's a close nod to Sims in standard leagues, but in PPR leagues, it would definitely I would go to Sims. Yeah, I mean, Detroit seems like a slam dunk, but we both also sat here last week and talked about how the Giants, who just lost their top cornerback, or maybe I was all over it, score, you know, 30, 40 points against uh, against the Saints after they lost their top cornerback, and they didn't even score an offensive touchdown. So when something seems too obvious, it's, it's usually not the case. Sims, I think it's, it's just going to be – a good play. They're comfortable with him as the third down catching back, and now they're going to need to receiving back rather. Now they're going to need to use him rushing the ball too. It's, it's not an easy road versus Aaron Donald up there in the middle, but I, I think uh, because of that catching aspect, like Nick said, PPR leagues, he's I think he's the the winner. It seems weird to bench Lacey because we know you spent a high pick on him, but uh, if if you need to, maybe Charles Sims is a pretty good play. Um, did I really write Dion Lewis? Come on. Uh, that's next. Uh, you know what I meant. Uh, right. I hope so. Devonte Adams versus Detroit are, yeah, that, that game, that game, excuse me, that game is in green Bay. So, um, or Seth Roberts at Tennessee. Well, I think, first off, it may be time we stop classifying Green Bay's offense as elite. They just don't seem to get the same results as they did two years ago. Well, on the other hand, uh, with the Raiders, it seems like their offense is clicking every week. Uh, I do think Adams probably has a higher floor. He's guaranteed to have a couple catches anyway, but uh, Andre Roberts has a higher ceiling. I think I'm going to gamble on Roberts to find the end zone this week. Yeah, Seth Roberts just kind of seems to score that touchdown when they need it. That's kind of been his role over the last couple of years. I remember he scored the game when he touched on last year when they played at Tennessee. Um, this game scares me, and uh, just because I think Tennessee's going to run that ball down Oakland's throat right up the middle, and they're going to be able to. So I think Oakland's probably going to be playing from behind this game. So uh, I think – 
and your Oakland pass catcher, you got to roll them out there this week. Walford, obviously, you're not benching Cooper. Uh, Crabtree as well. We're going to talk about Crabtree next, actually. But uh, I think uh, I think you got to roll them out there because they're going to they're going to need uh, all the help they can get, and they're going to be airing that ball out. So I, I think I would go Roberts too. I, I I I hear what Nick's saying too, and echo that statement. You know, Roberts could certainly have two catches for for ten yards. Uh, or Devontae could you know have three for forty five or something like that. But uh it's uh Seth Roberts definitely has the, the, the bigger the bigger ceiling there. I don't I don't know. It's 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 a close call, but I think I would lean Roberts there too. What do you think about uh Deshaun Jackson at N Y N G or Michael Crabtree at Tennessee? Well, this is a similar argument in my mind to the last one. Uh, one offense is firing on all cylinders while another one is struggling. Plus, with the reports that are coming out of D.C. that uh, a bunch of the offensive players are complaining uh, about the quarterback play, yeah, I'm just going to go out on all them and assume that one of those guys is Deshaun Jackson. He's never been uh, soft-spoken. So, you know, that seems to be kind of the norm for him. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Cousins looked to uh, more supportive targets, if you will, this week. So I'm going to go with Tr- Crabtree. Interesting. I I know I just said start your Oakland pass catchers because Crabtree has really been an ace in the hole for them. But I because you know there's some contention within that Washington organization um, and there's some questions about Cousins right now. I think he might be inclined to take a few more deep chances in this game, and we we know that is that is Djax's forte. So I I think Crabtree is the safer pick. Um, so it's like your favorite in your game, maybe just keep him in there. But if you if you're if you need uh need to find an edge maybe or you're you're you know like a ten point dog, why not throw DJX in there because he he could he could do it for you. Maybe a big long touchdown. Um, not really a for or against Nick, but I, I thought of something coming up here. Um, what do you think about Frank Gore right now with the rashes of running backs? being hurt you know some people probably have him around some people are probably be looking to add another running back here and there or they they might need to turn to him because he's on their on their bench what what do you think about rolling frank Gar? granted this week is um versus uh san diego so it seems like a good matchup but what do you think about frank gore right now uh, definitely starting this week, and I think even in general, he's uh, he's worth a start. Uh, he, he looked at the backfield split there. He got 13 carries last week. Uh, Robert Turbin only three carries. Ferguson only two. So he is still getting the lion's share of the carries there. Plus, he catches passes out of the backfield, caught three balls last week. So he's a, he's a running back I'm, I'm fairly confident in, in rolling out right now. What about in our argument earlier with Sims versus Lacey? Do you think – would you put – where would you rank Gore with those other two? Um, I think just simply, uh, you mean as far as this week or overall? Uh, this week and maybe going forward. This week I think I would play Frank Gore over either uh, either of them. Um, Charles Sims, you know, the L.A. Rams defense does have a pretty good uh, – pretty good defensive line there so uh and you mentioned uh the colts play san diego so i think just matchup wise you gotta go with frank gore in that in that dilemma yeah very good point and yeah he i think he caught a receiving touchdown last week too there so they 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 and they'll need a you know they'll need to maybe rely on him now with moncrief gone they need a uh that leaves them two smaller targets so maybe their tight ends get a get a bump there too in indianapolis um 
I've corrected myself. It's Dion Jones, not Dion Lewis. Um, Dion, like Dion Sanders, actually named after Dion Sanders. Uh, that's how much research I do. Uh, Dion Jones at New Orleans on Monday night, or another rookie linebacker, Darren Lee at Kansas City. Well, personally, I prefer a linebacker that's facing a team that runs the ball a lot. Uh, so, you know, you look at Deion Jones' matchup. If Drew Brees throws it 50 times, there might not be a whole lot of work for the linebackers. So I'll go ahead and pick Darren Lee at Kansas City. Even though I think, uh, even though Jones does have five more tackles on the season, uh, I would go with Lee this week. Yeah, this is an interesting one because I think the big, the interesting point on this one is both of these guys are going, I mean, you know, Deion Jones comes from the SEC, Lee from the Big Ten. So they've played in big games. But, you know, that New Orleans, New Orleans, no matter how their record is, they're pretty pretty tough out at home. Granted, it is a division game. But same thing with, with Darren Lee. I mean, if Kansas City is an intimidating place for an opponent team. Uh, granted, he, you know, he's probably played in the big house in Michigan. And he's played in pretty huge home crowds there at Ohio State too. But I, you wonder what, at what point does it get to these rookies that 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 extra crowd noise? And, and I know that's not has nothing to do with fantasy, but I think it certainly comes comes into play. And I, it's certainly not helping me decide because they both are on the road in tough games who who to play. But I, I'm actually going to go Jones because I think. Um, Granted, Breeze might throw the ball fifty times in that game, but that might mean he's he's back on the heel, back on his heels, making plays, and they, they like his speed in the middle. And he, if he's going to be expected to chop some things down, maybe, maybe he gets the, the the tackle edge there too. And no, it doesn't seem like people would lean that way, just because of Kansas City and their short game and how much they like to run the ball. But I think I think maybe there's more of a chance of a a possible big turnover there or a forced fumble there for uh, for Jones. I'll lean Jones. Um, Quell Jackson, who's really been struggling there for uh, the Colts versus San Diego, or Jarrell Freeman at Dallas on Sunday night. Well, I do like to quell Jackson uh, this week more than normal. You mentioned he's uh, had his, his struggles this this year, but against San Diego, I think uh, Gordon should get enough carries where Jackson puts up some decent tackle numbers, but I don't like him enough to put him ahead of Jarrell Freeman, who's having a really good IDP here. He's in the top ten scoring linebackers, ahead of guys like Luke Keekley and Navarro Bowman, just to name a few. So I'm definitely not going to sit Freeman. Yeah, and with uh, – I know Danny Trevathan's looking to have thumb surgery. I know he's not a pass catcher, so you know there's a chance he could maybe even play this week at this point. Uh, I don't think he is. So that's that's they're going to lean on Freeman a lot more and I expect Dallas to to probably hand the ball to uh Ezekiel Elliott probably 25 times because we know that Chicago defense is is not very good. So that he could he could be in for a, just a great tackle volume day, so he certainly has a, a safer a safer floor, if you will, there. And I, I, not sure what what's up with Dequell. Bill's been talking about quite a bit on the IDP podcast, the IDP, IDP Blitz, another podcast we have for you here at DFW. Uh, but you know, maybe he's getting old. I mean, he is old. Maybe he's just finally losing the steps. So not not nice to see, but uh, uh, hopefully you have better options there. And don't we're not saying drop Dequell right now, but uh, certainly. Uh, Certainly, maybe not a start a start player, startable player right now. Um, Cam Chancellor 
at San Francisco or Tony Jefferson at Buffalo? What do you think? Well, after two games, Tony Jefferson is currently the number one uh, scoring safety in IDP, so I just can't see why you would sit him right now. Uh, Cam Chancellor, he's he's been decent. He's just inside the top 40 safeties, and I think he should have a pretty good game this week, but I, I just can't bring myself to sit Tony Jefferson. Yeah, it might seem like like an obvious choice there with Jefferson, too, but we'll, we'll see what uh, what the game flow looks like there, but uh yeah, Cam, for as good as he is and as much name recognition he has around the league, he's probably not the best IDP play because he is respected around the league and teams tend, tend to go away from him. So uh, Tony Jefferson has just been lights out right now. Like Nick said, he's top-scoring top DB right now. So, yeah. And they, they use a whole lot of DBs in that Arizona scheme. For some, for some reason, they're all IDP worthy. It's it's crazy. Um Battle of the Jalens. Let's look at some rookie cornerbacks here, Nick. Uh, obviously, cornerbacks are a tricky position IDP-wise, but what do you think about Jalen Ramsey? He's playing Baltimore, so Steve Smith, Perryman, probably even chopping, chopping, trying to chop down Mike Wallace on the goal route there. Or Jalen Mills, who's probably going to be locking horns with Antonio Brown. Well, you know, at face value, you look at it, and Pittsburgh throws the ball more than Baltimore, so you would uh, you would lean towards Mills. But I just think the Baltimore-Jacksonville game has better chance of being a shootout than Pittsburgh versus an improved Philadelphia defense. So I'm actually going to go with Ramsey on this one. Uh, you mentioned he's going to be covering the veteran Steve Smith and Mike Wallace. Those guys are going to probably teach the rookie a thing or two, but that will give him tackle opportunities. So I'm going to go with Ramsey, even though I like both of them. Mm-hmm. And... Did you want to mention our, the the Philly Pittsburgh game, Nick? Or is, it, is that the uh, game yeah, you're going to be at? Actually, I will be at that game, and my friends uh, let me borrow the ugliest jersey in football at the Steeler Bumblebee jersey, because <laughs> of course, as a Redskins <laughs> fan, I won't be rooting for the Eagles at that game. So, yeah, it'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to that. Be a good little vacation. You won't be rooting for your boy Carson Wentz and the Eagles. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Should be a pretty uh, pretty good test for him. There's, uh, we'll get to the, more of that uh, with our ETS picks, I'm sure. But this should be a pretty good test for the rookie going to going to Pittsburgh. Yeah, should be a exciting game. Uh, the Battle of Pennsylvania, or as people of Pennsylvania call it, PA. Uh, I know it's not cool when I say it, but I try. Yeah, should be a good game. So, uh, Nick, coincidentally, Nick will not be here next week. I'm going to give him the week off because he's going to be eating. Uh, what's, what's Pittsburgh famous for? Uh, not Philly cheesesteaks. Um, Polushki, that's what it is. Uh, it's a, yeah, a Polish dish with cabbage and bacon and onion. So find some Polushki, Nick. Let me know how it is. Um, well, I'm actually going to be in Philly, not Pittsburgh. Ah, but isn't the game going, in going to Philly? Uh, I hope not because uh, we all have our tickets <laughs> for Philly. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I'll be more, I'll be better on my, my, uh, where the game's at. I'm sure Chuck will set us straight. But, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. That changes everything. Maybe maybe I want to play Mills. Uh, did I even make a decision? on Yes, the game is in Philadelphia. So still pretty good test, though, as a storied franchise. And we'll know they'll mix it up. They they like to – I listened to the Eagle Eye and the Sky podcast with my guy, Fran Duffy, and he had Greg Cassell on this morning. They're talking about how, like, 
Pittsburgh likes to mix it up and kind of blitz, disguise their blitzes. So it should be a, a very good game. I'm looking forward to that. There's some really good matchups this week. So, And it is in Philadelphia. Sorry. Um, I just wrote whatever I wrote down first. I guess I just trust my gut there. And I also wrote down Dion Lewis. So, <laughs> uh, sorry. Let's get to some dynasty trade analysis here, Nick. Um, like I said, these have been kind of loading up on me over the over the week as as trades happen at bad bad times for our podcast. So, if if you know a trade out there or you want to suggest one, please get them in early and. If you're waiting for us to talk about a trade that happened today in one of our big leagues, like DFW 36 or 48, um, I'm not going to get to it next week. And sometimes, you know, the the landscape of the trade changes, and then we'll have to we'll have to throw it away. So I, I try to get to as many as I can, uh, but uh, not not all of them this week. One second. It's time for Dynasty Trade Analysis. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Okay, Nick. Um, wow, how the landscape of this one has changed. See, this is what I mean. <laughs> um, Ezekiel Elliott. This happened obviously before Sunday's action. I think all these did. Yeah, all these happened. Um, I think on Saturday. Um, Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe not all. Ezekiel Elliott for Dante Moncrief and Thomas Rawls. Well, like you said, the landscape has changed. If all the pieces in this trade were healthy, I would say it's pretty much 50-50, very fair deal. Obviously, now the injury to Moncrief and Rawls isn't the healthiest either, so you got to give the nod to the Zeke owner. Yeah, and this is maybe the case where the guy, maybe obviously he's not trading high on Zeke, maybe could have got more, but if you're rebuilding and you don't need running backs right now, um, you know, you want to build your wide receiver first. I, I kind of think this trade makes sense. I think you probably could get a little bit more for Ezekiel Elliott, but uh, we'll see. Um, David Johnson, Alan Hearns, and Marcus Wheaton for Rand- Carlos Hyde, Randall Cobb, Rashard Perryman, and a 2017 first. What do you think? I think that first-round pick is very enticing, but it would still not be quite enough for me to uh, downgrade from David Johnson to Carlos Hyde and, again, from uh, Alan Hearns to Randall Cobb. I just think those two guys, uh, Hearns and Johnson, are too talented to give up. Uh, I I could not make that trade, even with the first-round pick. Yeah, interesting one here is you – I think it's worth it to give up a first round to acquire David Johnson. So I, 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 I like like I said, Nick, Nick said too. I think it's Hearns and Hearns and Johnson are really really the kicker there because we just see we see more of them. Hyde is Hyde is still a, a question mark as is uh, Perryman there in Baltimore, and uh, we we kind of know Cobb's Randall Cobb's uh, ceiling at this point in time in his career. Um, another one that's changed quite a bit. Here, Nick, uh, Amir Abdullah, Todd Gurley, and Quincy Unawa for Derek Henry, David Johnson, and Cody Latimer. What do you think? 
Um, I, I think it's smart to sell high on Unawa right now. You know, he could have a pretty good year uh, being there, the slot receiver with the two uh, talented receivers on the outside, Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. But, uh, you know, we don't know for sure what kind of volume he's going to have moving forward. Uh, and you got Todd Gurley, who he's great, but he's got the injury concerns, plus he plays on a, kind of a subpar offense there. So unloading him and Abdul and Unawa to get uh, back like David Johnson, plus Derrick Henry on top of that, and then Cody Latimer as a flyer, I think that's good value to pick up a guy like David Johnson, who you're pretty sure is going to be a top five back when the season's over. Yeah, and Nick makes a good point on Inua. Uh, I wrote our stock report this week that came out this morning. He was a guy that I had to sell high. Yeah. We just, like Nick said, we just don't know what he's going to be without, you know, if they lose – Marshall or Decker, you know, Marshall's potentially going to miss this week right now, so we, we might find out soon enough. But, uh, yeah, I think he got a side with the David Johnson side. Uh, obviously, the Mir Abdullah injury puts a big a big, uh, a big, big dent in this trade. So, uh, but, yeah, I mean, you gave up D- Todd Gurley and netted Derrick Henry and David Johnson. Probably not not a bad move there. Um, now, this this trade, this next trade, was made directly after this one that we talked about before, so Derrick Henry was already on the move. Um, obviously, Jay Myers, our, one of our fearless leaders here, is trying to win now, but he gave up Big Ben, Derrick Henry, who he just acquired, and DeAndre Hopkins for Drew Brees, Matt Forte, and A.J. Green. What do you think there, Nick? Well, like you mentioned, uh, the person who made this trade is in win-now mode, picking up, uh, you know, got older with uh, Breeze is older than Ben, A.J. Green's over, older than DeAndre Hopkins. But Matt Forte is a guy that can help you win this year. Uh, maybe not going to help you much next year moving forward, but for this year anyway, he's definitely an upgrade over Derrick Henry. So if you're trying to win this year, I have absolutely no problem with making that trade. Yeah, and you look at the situation, too, with uh, Breeze, uh, versus Roethlisberger, both of these teams do like to throw quite a bit. But you know, Pittsburgh's looking pretty, uh, pretty solid right now. So if they're winning games and they get Bell and Bell back and Williams is still healthy, they they could hand off to those guys thirty times a game and, and eat up a lot of clock. And where Breeze has got that 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 suspect defense, so he's going to be throwing forty times a game, almost guaranteed every single week this season. So that's that's another thing in there, and it's, I think it's a decent uh, decent win now type of trade. So um, let me just throw a couple more at you, Nick, while we have a few minutes before Chuck joins us. Uh, one that went down today in DFW forty eight, um, CJ Anderson for Kevin White. Straight up, what do you think? Um, yeah, I'm not a huge C.J. Anderson fan, but just the fact that we haven't seen Kevin White really do much of anything on the field yet, I, I think I would have to side with the, the safer play and then go with C.J. Anderson's new owner. Okay. Just got an update on my phone that Alan Robinson is now questionable. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, I... I agree. I kind of see both sides of this. You know, what the one player is in win now mode, so they want to they want to acquire running backs, and Anderson certainly looked pretty solid these first couple weeks. Um, and it's you know not a bad idea to take a chance if you're if you're on a rebuilding team to get a guy like uh, Kevin White who had the draft pedigree. So I think I think that is a fairly a fairly decent move. Um, 
One more. Oh, yeah. Melvin Gordon and T.Y. Hilton for Todd Gurley. What do you think of that one, Nick? Wow, I think that's very fair trade on both sides. Um, I would probably side with the, the team that picked up uh, Todd Gurley just because there's so many pass-catching targets there in Indianapolis. So T.Y. Hilton, he's not going to be the most consistent guy week to week. Uh, you know, we've already discussed Melvin Gordon quite a bit this, uh, this show, so I, I'm going to go with uh, Todd Gurley. Yeah, like it's like you said, you know, this is a good time to trade high on on Gordon and where Gordon, you know, maybe this whole season we could be trading high in Gordon considering what's going on with their depth chart. Maybe maybe there's a chance that uh he um he has just a phenomenal year, but we we know that he is mortal, and we've seen that. And, and Gurley certainly could have uh, the better career, so not not a bad move there. Um, and I don't disagree with the guy trading Gurley, picking up a picking up probably a top twenty, top fifteen wide receiver. Uh, granted, there is targets to go around, but the Colts throw that ball a whole lot, and with Moncrief gone for for a, a you know a good a good chunk of the season now. Hilton certainly looks to be a, a nice play, uh, obviously for for those for that extended amount of time. So um, we have Mr. Chuck on the phone. So let's patch him through here. Chuck, are you there? Josh, how's it going? Hey, Nick, how's it going? We're doing good. We uh, obviously were no BS today. We just got right to it, and <laughs> this might be the earliest we're e- we're ever ready for you. Yeah, what's the deal? Usually, we make you wait about five to fifteen minutes. Uh, not today. <laughs> now, I, I got to ask you: Did you guys uh, did you hear the news? Uh, Arian Foster is injured. What? <laughs> I think I think every running back is injured right now actually. Uh. Well, that's one thing I said before the season I was talking with my little brother and we were talking about Arian Foster, you know, he's at the Dolphins, he's expected to start. I said, "Yeah, for two or three weeks and then he's going to get injured again." And uh sure as heck, that's one prediction that came true for me. Uh, yeah. Well, Probably not a very bold prediction, but yes, we we <laughs> we agree. <laughs> um, well, I've got to tell you, last week? yeah, last what? week we all could have flipped a coin and probably probably done just as well. Um, Josh, uh, make a note. I don't want to pick the Bears again uh, for the rest of the season. Um, I was eight and eight. You were eight and eight, and Nick was seven and nine, right behind us. So you know. One little break here or there, Nick, and you could have been eight and eight also. Wow. Well, and seven and nine was a huge jump from my week one performance of two and fourteen. So I'll take it. <laughs> exactly. You're improving. So uh <laughs> I guess big bigger and better things this week, but you can bet I'm not gonna play I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go with the Bears this week. Yeah, I had a bad feeling about that game as it got closer. I just, I just really think there's a chance Philly could roll them. I know it's easy for me to say now, but I just, it's. it's well, no, you took fun. Philly. Yeah, I know, I know. I yeah, know. okay. But as the, as the game approached, the more I thought about it, I just 
gosh, I really think there's a chance that they're not only going to beat them, but they're going to they're going to roll them. So. Well, I, 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 you know, as much as it, as it pains, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to the Bears game. I guess I don't want to talk too much <laughs> about it right now. We have all the lines in today. We should be current on everything. So, uh, are you guys ready? We're ready. Okay. The first game is. Uh, well, there's some strange things this year. I've, I've, I've isolated like four games here where where this, things are happening that you've never seen happen before, and this is one of them. Uh, the Houston Texans are in New England, and Houston is actually a uh, one-point favorite. You know, i got to check that. Uh, yeah, one-point favorite. They were one and a half. They're now down to one. But Houston is favored over New England. Now, when do you think the last time was New England was an underdog at home? Uh 1985. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, we've got uh, we got the Texans coming into New England tomorrow night, Thursday, and uh, they will. Uh, uh, New England maybe without a quarterback and Julian Edelman playing, but uh, go ahead, Nick, or uh, excuse me, Josh, what, whichever. Uh, no, Nick can go first. Go ahead, Nick. Well, like you said, uh, New England hasn't been a home dog since, what, the Tony Eason days in 1985, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can't pick against Bill Belichick at home, even if it is Julian Edelman, a quarterback, and they're going all wildcat. Uh, I still have to go with the, with the Patriots at home. I wonder if Belichick knows he's an underdog yet. Uh, yeah, you just can't. You're getting points with New England at, uh, yeah, that's that's going to make you mad. You can't. You can't. Pass up that opportunity to get to, to get even though it's just one point, you can't pass up that opportunity to take New England when they're home dogs. Yeah, more than any other team, it seems like New England uh, is pretty much a, a a team effort. And you no, know, you know if the if the the guy who deflated the footballs, if he was playing quarterback, I Belichick <laughs> would find out some way for them to win the game. And it's uh, and it's uh, at home. Uh, I'm going to take New England also, and, and maybe we're drinking the Kool-Aid here, but uh, but uh, I'm going to go with the Patriots too. Yeah, you know, and they like they like Jacoby Brissett. He's they they spent like a third or fourth round pick on him. He went a lot yeah. sooner than people thought, so they they certainly have a have a plan there. I think. All right, the next game, uh, we'll start with the Sunday games. Denver is on the road at Cincinnati, and the Bengals are giving up. Well, now it's three and a half. Uh, Cincinnati by three and a half. Wow, that that just seems like too many points. I, I think besides A.J. Green, there's not necessarily something that, really scares me about the Bengals offense. I mean, I like it. I respect it. I think it's one of the one of the, you know, probably top 10 offenses in the league, but it's not scary and they're playing against a pretty scary defense. Uh we know AJ looked pretty good against Revis in week 1. Came back down to earth a little bit last week, but still that that's it's a bad matchup for Cincy. I I I, I, I like Cincy and I like to but this, this, uh, yeah, that that defense is just going to make some plays against them. I, I just, I don't, I don't like it. So I'll take, I'll take the points there in Denver. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I also, I can't bet against that Denver defense. You look at what they did last week to the Colts, holding the the Colts, who have a pretty good offense, to a total of 253 yards on offense. So I, 
yeah, I, I I just can't go against that defense. They're playing too hot right now. As much as has been said about the uh, the uh, team that normally plays in the afternoon playing in the morning, uh, the Broncos have been one of the teams that's been most affected by that, um, and that's simply because they've had good teams and they and they kind of play down. Uh, when they do that, and this is the first time this season they're facing a situation. It's the first time Trevor Simeon has played outside of Mile High Stadium. So I'm going to look for the Bengals to find a way to do this and kind of bring, you know, the Broncos are good, but I think Cincinnati will bring them back down to earth just a little. It'll just be a little glitch. I, I still like the Broncos, but I think the Bengals will find a way to win this game. I'm going to take Cincy. Okay. Moving forward, what do you got? Well, your Raiders, Josh, they are uh, on the road as an underdog. Uh, which Oakland team are, are we going to see? You know, the one that uh, the one that played the Falcons last week, or the one that started <laughs> off the uh, season with a with a good game and the and the gutsy win against the Saints. Uh, Tennessee is favored by one and a half points, is all. Oh, well, I picked against Oakland last week, and I was right. I mean, I was they still lost, but I was I was right, so at least I know what I'm talking about there. So, I this is a bad matchup. This is a bad matchup for Oakland. The Tennessee is going to run the ball right up the middle, and they're going to be able to. I mean, I know everybody said that this they were going to do the first week and or this whole season, but I this is a bad matchup. I'll, I'll take Tennessee. That's, I, th- I just I just don't see how Oakland wins this game. Their defense has not shown me a damn thing so far this year. And yeah, I just, I can't take the Raiders. Sorry, sorry, boys, prove me wrong, please. Nick, what you got? <laughs> um, I am going to go with your Raiders. I I think that the Raiders have been matched up against two pretty decent offenses this year, whereas Tennessee doesn't have quite as high powered an offense. Uh, rookie fifth round pick Tajay Sharp is their number one receiver. No slight to Sharp. I think he's going to be a great player, but it is only his third game, and he's already tended to be the number one receiver. Uh, whereas Oakland's offense, they're coming out and firing every every week. So I think the Raiders can win this one. I, I just think they're going to outscore them. Josh, I have to laugh because you remind me of a guy when I, I grew up in Nebraska, and there was a guy in our hometown, his name was Art, and uh, really good old guy. But every week he would bet against Nebraska just so he would be happy no matter what happened. <laughs> so you're kind of, so we all uh, within our family we call it the Art Theory. Um, and so I, I think you're employing a little bit of that. You're betting against the Raiders every week, and, and you'll be happy either way. I think the Raiders can go on the on the road and beat Tennessee. If if there's one team that has uh, that has proven to be kind of road warriors, it's the uh, the Oakland Raiders, and I think they'll do it again at Tennessee. They're going to be on the natural surface like they're used to playing on, and and uh, I've just got faith in the in the black and uh, I've got faith in the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. I should start calling them. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll take Las Vegas uh, plus the one Raiders, and a half. But yeah, that's right. City Raiders. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> All right, moving forward. All right, the Arizona Cardinals are on the road giving up four points at Buffalo. Yeah, I, yeah, it's got to be Arizona. I mean, I feel like, and Chuck, Chuck, you've been with us for, what, two and a half? Or this is probably, you're probably close to two full seasons now. I think you joined us halfway through the 2014 season, but... I feel like there's been a handful of games where Arizona has gone on the road and supposed to win, and 
they just haven't. But I, I think what they saw last week, and given the fact that it's a new OC in Buffalo, I got, I got, I can't pick against them. I just, I don't know what Buffalo is right now. I know they're going to try to throw more, but guess what? Arizona has a pretty awesome secondary, so that's doesn't bode well for them, I believe. So I'll, I'll take Arizona and lay the points. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, like you mentioned, they picked the bad week to uh, decide to throw the ball more. I just think Buffalo, it's a mess, that organization right now. Uh, it seems like defense was their biggest problem, but obviously Rex Ryan's not going to fire himself, so the offensive coordinator's gone. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Arizona wins this one by at least a touchdown. I um, I had to go back and look at last year because I, I thought, you know, Arizona was kind of good on the road last year. Well, they were 7-1 and one on the road last year. They lost to the Steelers, but on their road games that they won, they won by an average of 17.7 points. And if you take out the uh, – it's, it's even higher than that. If you take out the divisional games they played on the road, they, were played, uh, they, they played Seattle pretty close and they won the game, and they played San Francisco pretty close and won the game. So uh, even against non-divisional opponents on the road, Arizona was really, really not only good – but beating people by by a big clip. So I am going to, you know, I have, I was all set to pick Buffalo, but I'm going to go ahead and take Arizona on this one. I, uh, I Earlier when I looked at their road record, I said, yeah, I think th- they can handle it. They can handle a, a, a point spread being a favorite on the road. Okay. What's up next? Well, this is kind of my I don't care game of the week. The uh, Ravens are at Jacksonville to play the uh, Jaguars, and uh, I won't pronounce it Jaguars like a guy, a lot of guys do on TV. The Jaguars and the Ravens are at a pick'em this week. Just pick the winner. I'd like to say this is a who cares game too, but I, I don't know. It's kind of it's it's. There's some fantasy players in play here, though, so maybe, maybe that's why I like it. I don't know, um, but you might you might be right. There's there's another one that I wanted to name. Who cares? But then the, then I saw the line. So, but anyway, um, <laughs> Jacksonville's got to get it with you, right? They got to save face and win this game. Baltimore is a beatable opponent. If Jacksonville starts zero and three, their coaches are going to make it till Halloween, right? So I'll, I'll take Jacksonville. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Jacksonville's desperate right now after pretty much getting embarrassed by San Diego last week, 38-14, to 14, and those 14 points all came in the fourth quarter. So it's, yeah, if they don't, like you said, if they don't win this week, then it's big trouble for the Jaguars. So desperation move, I'm going to go with that yeah, I have no reason to. I, I'm I'm with you guys. I have no real concrete reason to take Jacksonville. I just uh, am not in love with Baltimore, and I think Jacksonville has to have a good game to kind of keep the crowd uh, energized or engaged. I guess the rest of the season. So so we'll look for a home win for the uh, for the Jags this week. All okay. right. What's next? Well, you remember uh, when I uh, when I said there were some games of note this week that uh, that strange things are happening. Here's the first one: the Cleveland Browns are at Miami. Now the Dolphins haven't won a game, right? No, they're zero and two. Okay, um, we, we've got an zero and two team, a winless team, giving nine and a half points. 
Uh, Miami is nine and a half over the Browns in Miami. Yeah, that's uh, – see, and I saw 10 before the podcast turned out. Like when was the last time we saw a win to this team that were double-digit favorites? I will say this about Miami is the fact that they are – they lost at Seattle and at New England. I mean, that is a tough way to start the season. And they held their own against Seattle and almost came back after they knocked out Garoppolo against, uh, against uh, New England. So th- there is some fight in them. Um, no way the wounded dog factor comes back to bite me here, as it's. it's <laughs> well, more you can like, do that on the Browns like, every week. <laughs> it's more like you have a pupper, a puppy from the dog pond, like Cody Kessler, and you just you just off his parents, and now he's left to defend himself. So yeah, I'll, I'll take Miami. I I don't like it, but I mean, tell me, Nick, why would you take Cleveland? Um, because Miami is not good enough to beat anybody by nine nine points. I I, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Cleveland actually. And a uh, quick side note: I did get an update on my phone that even though there is an arrest warrant issued for Josh Gordon, the NFL says he will not be facing additional punishments for said arrest warrant, which uh, stems something to do with paternity test court ordered. I'm not sure the exact details, but all that's important that fantasy owners <laughs> need to know is he's still on track to play uh, this season. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Cody Kessler and Cleveland. They're not gonna beat Miami, but I think they can keep it to within a touchdown, especially with a with no Arian Foster playing. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Cleveland also. Last week I said that uh, that uh, who was that Hoyer that was quarterbacking them, or was, uh, excuse me, Josh McCown. McCown. <laughs> I get those two guys mixed up. Um, uh, Josh McCown was an upgrade, and I still think that uh, Cody Kessler is going to be an upgrade. I think the team will play hard for him, and it's just on the principle of you're you're getting nine and a half points from a team who hasn't won this year. So uh, a close game, Miami probably pulls it out, but I'm going to I'm going to stick with the Browns. All uh-huh. right, this next Good luck, one. Guys. Yeah, uh, the Washington Redskins are at the Giants. Josh Norman versus Odell Beckham. <laughs> the Giants are four-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. Nick, what do you got for us? Uh, I got to go with the G-man in this one. I, the Red, you remember three weeks ago when uh, all the talk out of Washington was, this is going to be the no-drama locker room. Yeah, so much for all that, both offense and defense. It's nonstop drama. So, yeah, I just think the skins are a mess and got to go with the Giants, especially at home. Uh, I'm going to take Washington just simply because I think that's too many points for a divisional game. Um, I don't I don't know how they win this game, but I feel like they can they can do it. They can get back in this one. So, Chuck, what do you got? Well, I like uh, I, I like Nick's point, and I, I think that's the only reason that I took the Giants in this game is the fact that their their locker room is not in harmony right now. They're starting to blame each other, and that's after only two losses. I mean, come on! I mean, I, the expectations were way high in Washington, and everybody thought, well, now they're going to have a quarterback. They've got a quarterback entrenched in the position. That's Kirk Cousins, and so everything's going to be okay. And well, now the coach is is even. Uh, is even given his yeah, talking in front of the media about his quarterback. So let's go ahead and take the Giants. I, I just don't want to bet on a team that's kind of in disarray. Uh, they may pull it together, but i got to take the Giants in a situation like this. Okay, what's next? 
Detroit is at Green Bay. The Packers at home, seven and a half over the uh, over the Lions. Seven and a half. Wow. Um, doesn't seem like that. Does seem like too many points? Obviously, divisional game. Like I said in the last game, but I. Yeah, I don't know how Detroit. Uh, we don't know what anything really about the Detroit offense yet. They they blew out Indianapolis, which everybody's going to score twenty eight points on them. Um, and then they they kind of came back down to earth there against a scrappy Tennessee defense. So I I think the Green Bay defense has probably played a little bit better than I expected at least. So I I think they make some plays. Um, Oh, I don't like it. I do not like it at all, but I'll take Green Bay. That's it's a lot of points to give, but I'll I'll take Green Bay. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, it's a lot of points, especially in a divisional matchup and it's to me that's just too many points. I think Detroit's playing teams pretty tough so far this year. I know they lost by one point to uh Tennessee last week, but Green Bay, like I said earlier, their offense just isn't the same as it was a couple of years ago. I'm not sure what the what the problem is. It seems like most of the personnel is still there. Uh maybe they just need a you know, a few a few games to to get the chemistry going, but uh it's not there right now. So I think seven and a half points is just too much for uh too, too, too many points. So I'm going to go with Detroit. I will uh, reiterate a couple of things that Nick just said. Just uh, the fact that they don't seem to be on the same page. It's a divisional game, and I was a little concerned. Uh, Matthew Stafford is my fantasy quarterback until Brady gets back, and and I was happy with him the first week, and I was a little concerned about what he did get against the Titans last week, and then. I heard somebody talking, I can't remember, it was probably ESPN because I watch it each, uh, each day, but uh, somebody said that, uh, that Stafford had three touchdowns called back uh, because of penalties. So it's like, okay, there's still hope for him. I think Detroit's got enough in the gas tank to keep this one close, especially this one being a divisional game, and they're hurting a little bit from that loss to, uh, to Tennessee. So I'm going to take the, uh, the Lions to at least stay within the seven and a half points. All right. All right, the Minnesota Vikings are in Carolina, and the Panthers, seven-point favorites. Well, oh, excuse me, what a game. Obviously, this would be a little bit uh, bigger game if, if uh, Minnesota had some people healthy. Uh, I That Minnesota defense has been pretty awesome. So I, I, I'm just going to – pick them on the strength of that. I just think they can keep it close. I don't I don't see them winning this game, but I think they keep it close. I think this has got like 16-13 written all over it. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with the home team, Carolina. Even as a seven-point favorite, I just think Minnesota, you know, they've got a good defense, but so does Carolina, and Carolina doesn't have quite the injury issues. Uh, yeah, they're both missing their uh, starting running backs, but that affects the Vikings a heck of a lot more than it does the Panthers. Plus, like we talked about before the show, Josh, uh, the left tackle there, Ryan Khalil, is also out for Minnesota, so that could have a detrimental effect, especially as much as Sam Bradford is already getting hit. So I, I definitely got to go with Carolina in this one. All right, well, here's another one of those strange things I was talking about. We've got an undefeated team, 2-0 and Vikings, playing a 1-1 one and team, and the Vikings are getting seven points. So uh, just on principle, I'm going to take a, uh, a team that's undefeated getting seven points. 
I also think that um, without Adrian Peterson, it gives him a little more versatility in the backfield. Uh, I like the combination. Asiata and McKinnon are not too bad at running backs, you know, if you don't have Adrian Peterson. So um, this has one of the lowest point spreads, or excuse me, one of the lowest over-unders of the week. It's only 43 points. I think the only one lower than that is the Broncos in Cincinnati and then New England-Houston are at 41. Um, I'm going to go ahead, uh, in a low-scoring game, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, take seven points there. Okay. Uh, makes makes sense there with the – we like you said with the low scoring game and there's a bigger a bigger point spread that you gotta you gotta take the the dog there so I I like that I like that and if I would just for the record I would say under under forty three it uh, may be yeah all right uh, we start the afternoon games on Sunday San Francisco is at Seattle and the uh, Seattle <laughs> the Seahawks are favored by nine and a half. Wow, that's a lot of points. Um, yeah, just I don't know how you can pick pick Seattle when they haven't looked like the you know the immortal warriors they've been so far at home these last cup these first couple or at least at least the first week against Miami. So I their their offensive line is not very good. Um, they're down another running back to injury. I, I, I think San Francisco's defense has been a lot better than people expected. I know they gave up a whole bunch of points on the road last week, but uh, they'll bounce back and be ready for a divisional opponent. So I'll take I'll take San uh, San Fran plus the nine and a half. Nick, what do you think? Um, I agree with you. If Russell Wilson was 100% healthy, I would probably lean towards Seattle in this one, even with a nine-and-a-half-point spread. But, you know, he played last week on an ankle injury that they say usually is a two- to three-to-four-week recovery time. So I almost wonder if he actually hurt his team by playing on that ankle and maybe being able to amass three points against the Rams' defense. So since he's not 100%, I'm going to go with the 49ers. Well, here's another one of those things. We've got a a team who has not won. uh, We've got Seattle. Uh, well, basically winless. They they lost to the Rams last week and barely beat the Dolphins uh, against the San Francisco, giving up nine and a half points to a divisional team and a San Francisco team that really they they do have a good defense uh, that last game last week notwithstanding. Um, Seattle has scored one offensive touchdown in two games. Um, field goals is not going to is not <laughs> is not going to help them beat a nine and a half point spread. So yeah. The the 49ers, easily. Okay. What's next? Well, the L.A. Rams get to travel cross-country to to meet the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This may be the who cares game. I don't know, Josh. But uh, Tampa Bay is favored by five points. Uh, You know, if I wasn't such a Charles Sims fan and very excited about watching him play, I think this could be the who cares game. Um, coincidentally, I have the, I have the clip for that one second. <laughs> Nobody cares. Um, yeah, I got a hard time making a decision on this one because you're right. Um, how about what? Jameis Winston's got five interceptions on the season already. Um, 
Another low over-under here with 42 is the one I'm looking at here on CBS Sports. But do you have five or five and a half? Uh, five. Believe it or not, it was five last night when I looked at this, and this morning I looked at it, it was five and a half, and, and while we were talking, it went uh, back down to five. Wow. I I think Tampa is going to be very motivated to prove that they just had a bad game last week at Arizona. Uh, a nice gut check to let them know if they want to be a playoff team, they're going to have to bring a better contest the next time they go on the road. So I think they come home and come home and beat the Rams, who we, we know is, is, has their issues, to put it nicely. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. You know, the young quarterback, Winston, five interceptions on the season before those came against uh, Arizona last week, and it was just a bad game all around for Tampa Bay. So I think they can bounce back, especially playing at home against a Jeff Fisher coach team. And the Buccaneers are not in the same division as Jeff Fisher's Rams, so they should be all right to cover that five-point spread. Yeah, Nick, that's a good point. Uh, L.A., just they're going to experience a little bit of a hangover after playing two big divisional games in a row to start the season. They've got to travel all the way across the country when they're used to traveling from St. Louis. I don't know how much difference that will make, but uh, Tampa Bay has a little atonement for, uh, for last week to do. And uh, I'll, look at, uh, I'll look at Tampa Bay to win by, by more than five. Okay. Are we on to? Yes, we are. And the next game is uh, the Battle of Pennsylvania. The Steelers are in Philadelphia. The Steelers are favored by three and a half. Well, as we said earlier, Nick is actually going to be at this game, so he won't be joining us on the podcast next week, Chuck. So we'll let him him go first. Nick, what do you got? Uh, Yeah, I've definitely got to go with the Steelers in this one. uh, the rookie quarterback, Carson Wentz, he's been playing really good football for Philadelphia. But I think 3-0 and is just a little bit too much to ask for, especially go, uh, against a Steelers team that, let's face it, they're one of the top, especially top offenses in the league. It's it's going to be tough for, the, uh, tough for Philadelphia to slow them down, I think. So I, I'll go with the Steelers and Antonio Brown to have a bounce back week after a little bit down week statistic-wise last week against Cincinnati. Um, oh, what was the spread? Three and a half. I'm, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I do listen. I just had I just had the spreads up in front of me, too, so I just wanted to make sure That's it was the right. same number. Phillies, i got to take the home team dog in this. I I don't think they win it, but I, I gosh, the Philadelphia defense, they, they use that wide nine set, and they have these all these moving parts. They got guys that can put their hand down. They got guys that can stand up. They they could give Pittsburgh some issues. I don't. I mean, obviously nobody can cover Antonio Brown, but uh, um, if they can, uh, you know, shade him with another player and and disrupt them. I mean, Pittsburgh is so good because Ben Big Ben could extend plays with his legs. But they Philadelphia jumps up into that box and really sets that. That's that hard edge. So I don't know if he's going to be able to scramble around. So I, I think Big Ben could hit the turf about five times in this game. I, I really like what Philadelphia's doing defensively, and where we might see Wentz get a little confused in this game as a rookie quarterback playing against a solid opponent. He he's shown so much poise and just so much. I, he's going to be ready. He's going to be ready 
for, for a lot of things Pittsburgh's going to throw ahead of him in this game. Sure, he's going to throw interceptions. All quarterbacks do. Um, you know, and maybe maybe he throws a bad one in this game, but I, I, I think they can hang in this game. I think this is a really close game. So I'll, I'll take I'll take Philly as the home team dog there. Well, I like it. You made a lot of great points, Josh. I'm still going to go with Pittsburgh. Um just for the fact that the, I mean we we've talked so much we talked so much about the Philly defense, but they've played the Bears and the Browns. They haven't played anybody the caliber of the Steelers yet. I realize this is a kind of a backyard rivalry game, even though they don't play every year. And Pittsburgh uh, is giving away more than three points, three and a half points. I just I just like Pittsburgh. I you know and I don't feel strongly about it, but I'm just I'm going to take the Steelers in this one. Moving on, the Kansas City Chiefs are favored by three at home against the New York Jets. Uh, Brandon Marshall's status is up up in the air for this game, so uh, that's that's not good. Um, ooh, and Eric Decker's a little dinged up with a shoulder injury, so that uh, that that's huge if those two can't play. Uh, we've talked about it many times in this podcast. We talked about it earlier before Chuck joined us. Kansas City is a tough place to play. And I know Ryan Fitzpatrick is a veteran quarterback, um, and they have obviously veteran pieces on this team. But I, I, I think Kansas City Kansas City bounces back and wins this game. I, I see them winning by, you know, like 24-17 type of thing. So I'll, take, I'll lay those points, no problem. Nick, what do you think? I agree with you. And if this game was in New York, I would go the other way. But like you said, Kansas City Arrowhead Stadium, it is one of the toughest places in the NFL to play. Great environment there. Um, I do think it's going to be a close game. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a one- or a two-point game. So for that reason, I uh, I don't know. I, I still have to go Kansas City, but even though I think it's going to be a close, close game, but I don't like it. If I was in Vegas, I definitely wouldn't be putting any, any money down on this one. Well, when uh, when Kansas City plays at home at Arrowhead, the defense seems to rise to a, to a different level. And on the other side of the coin, um, what in the world is going on with the uh, with the Jets' defense? They gave up 23 points and then 31 points in the last couple of weeks. Um, not the Jets' defense we're used to seeing. So for that reason, it's that's worth at least three points. So I'm going to say it'll be a push. <laughs> No, I'm I'm going to take the going to take the Chiefs minus three in this one. What well, I feel like these two teams played each other last year in Kansas City as well. Jets in Kansas City. Well, yeah. I got the thing right here in front of me. Let's look at it. New York Jets, no. Kansas City. I don't see it. No. Okay, I must have been thinking of another game. That's all right. Sorry, moving forward. <laughs> it's all right. All right, the next game, uh, San Diego Chargers are on the road uh, playing at Indianapolis in their dome, and the Colts are favored by three. Oh, yeah. Another another 0-2 team favored. Um Man, this game is a straight out shootout written all over it. I just Yeah, I was gonna say the over under should be over fifty in this game. I'm looking at fifty one and a half. <laughs> um be a lot I'm of looking at I'm looking at fifty two, Josh. Yeah. Of course I feel like every time I say that it's always, you know, twenty to seventeen game, but uh 
I I think I believe in just a few more pieces that San Diego has. I know they're missing some people on injury, but their their defense has shown a little bit more than I expected out of them this year. So I I will give them the edge. Um, yeah, San Diego, as always, tough team to figure out. They go into Kansas City and build a big lead and blow it and then absolutely obliterate Jacksonville last week. So, um, uh, yeah, I'll, why not? I'll pick San Diego on the road. Nick, what do you think? Um, I just have a hard time seeing San Diego win back-to-back games. It seems like that's kind of always been their MO is their get up one week and down the next. Uh, so at Indianapolis, you know, even with the Moncrief injury, I think it, 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 the Colts have enough pass catchers to go around to where that's not going to have a serious impact on their offense. So I, I'll go ahead and take the Colts at home. I like the Chargers' pass defense, and uh, that's about all Indianapolis has. Uh, they don't have much of a running game, so I'm going to give the edge to San Diego here on this one. Um, n- n- not not strong about it, so let's just leave it at that. Chargers minus or plus three. Okay. All right, Sunday night we finally arrived. The Chicago Bears are <laughs> in Dallas to take on the Cowboys. And the Cowboys are seven-point favorites. Oh, no Jay Cutler. Oh, yeah. Which is a plus. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, Brian Hoy is not going to throw for three, 400 yards, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Our, uh, my friends over at the Never Indie Glory podcast were talking about how Ezekiel is going to touch the ball like 25 times this game, and I, yeah, they're going to run it down their throats. I, I, I I'll, t- I'll take Dallas, even though I don't believe in their defense. It's, it's Brian Hoyer. Uh, I'll take, I'll take Dallas in this game. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think Chicago has a chance to win this game if they can. Uh continue Ezekiel Elliott's uh, trend of fumbling the football. If they are able to pick up a couple, recover a couple uh, Zeke fumbles, then I think Chicago could uh, stay in this game. But, you know, that's a lot to ask for, so I'm going to have to go with Dallas at home. I feel so sorry for John Fox. He seems to have built good teams wherever he's gone. Uh, Of course, he took over a Denver team that was already good, but... um, uh, I feel sorry for him. I, I, I think the, big, the Bears' biggest problem is that uh, Adam Gase left uh, and uh, just you know left Jay Cutler with another with another offensive coordinator to, to deal with. Um, but the Bears just don't have it together until they win a game, and I, I, I can't pick them. Uh, the Cowboys have a lot of backing, and, and uh, we'll take the cow. I'll make it a clean sweep. Cowboys. Okay. Uh, On Monday night. Monday night. This ought to be a fun one. The Atlanta Falcons are in New Orleans, where the uh, the uh, Saints are are always fun to watch. Uh, and the Saints are favored by three. Let me take a look. Oh, yes, this is the this is the highest over under of the week, fifty three and a half on Monday night. So we we may see a a barn burner. Yeah, uh, Marina League football, that's for sure. Um, yeah, look at the quarterbacks of this game have a combined ten touchdown passes. And thirteen hundred yards on the season already through basically you know through four games essentially combined with those two. Um, yeah, this has high scoring written all over it. Um, Matty Ice is just a different. I know he won on the road last week. Got a, maybe got a little help from the refs. Try not to be too bitter about that, but uh, um, 
I think the Saints get a win here. It's it's I don't I don't like it, but I think they get a win here just because they know the Falcons. That Falcons defense is not good. Either is the Saints, but they stepped it up a little bit last week. So I I think I think the Saints make enough plays in this game to win by three. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'll go with the Saints. And again, this is another one simply because they're at home. If it was in Atlanta, I would go the other way. Even if the Falcons were a three points. Uh, favorite at home, I would go the other way. But, you know, in New Orleans, like Chuck's mentioned plenty of times, uh, the Saints are just a different team at home than they are on the road. So even though they they lost last week in a low-scoring game against the Giants, I think they win this high-scoring game by more than three points. Yeah, and the Saints have always been so bad on the road, but they showed me something last week in the the way that they uh, fought tooth and nail with the New York Giants on the road, and that shows me that they're a little different team this year, that they get a little different mindset, and I was uh, I was impressed with that. Uh, so for that reason, I know that I don't know if that how, what that has to do with them playing at home, but it just shows me that uh, something has changed there, and they have a, they have a different psyche. So I'm going to go ahead and take the uh, the Saints minus three in this game on Monday night. Okay, another clean sweep, and we got through them all. Yeah, let me um, run down the clean sweeps real here, uh, yeah. quick. Well, real quick here, Josh, we had New England, we have Arizona, we have Jacksonville, we have San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, uh, Dallas, and New Orleans. Boy, we'll probably all end up with the same records this week. (laughs) Can you read those to me one more time? New England, Arizona, Jacksonville, San Francisco. Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Dallas, and New Orleans. Wow, that's a lot of them. All right, well, they, they, those are the games you do not pick on, people. So <laughs> uh, We'll see how we do with our clean sweeps. That was the big kicker last year, right? They were at least um, important somewhat. So, uh, yeah, that is all we have for you, like I said. Um Chuck, just me and you t- picking games next week. So, okay, Nick, I realize that that's a long that's a long flight from uh, Pennsylvania back to Hawaii, but I would think you could make it in three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's about a fourteen hour travel time. So. Not, not looking forward uh, to the travel itself, but it's going to be great being on the East Coast and seeing some new sights. Have a great have a great uh, I guess I can call it vacation. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Thank okay. you very much. Have a great time. He's going to be so full of Philly cheesesteaks. He's not going to not going to know what's up next week. So we'll give him the week off. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you, Chuck. As always, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, you guys, very much. All right, Nick. Any closing thoughts before you head out to to Pennsylvania? I'm just really looking forward to seeing my first uh, live NFL action in quite a few years, and I will make sure to uh, tap, tally up uh, all my uh, all my picks for you, so you can embarrass me on the show next week with what's probably <laughs> if, if the rest the first two weeks of the season is any, any indication, probably not going to be a very good week in picks for me. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope at the very least to get a chance to watch Antonio Brown and possibly William Gay dance, so we can finally decide who's the better dancer. So that's that's what I'm concerned about. That's what I hope you get out of the trips. 
Uh, as always, Nick, it's been a pleasure. Have, have a good week. Have a good vacation. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks, buddy. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Next week, we will have uh, Martin Brooks joining us for the first half hour. He is otherwise known as the Fantasy Typhoon on Twitter, so make sure you check out Martin. And uh, I think I'll have Burgundy come by and do a little dilemma with me, too. So well, always fun to have Burgundy back in the fold. Then Chuck will do, be doing ATS picks, so it'll be a, a fun, fun show. We'll do our best without Nick's knowledge. So, Nick, have a good time, bud. Talk to you next week, bud. Or two weeks. All right. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin for a mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.